Military murder is an independent project and is not endorsed by the Department of Defense or any military component. The views expressed are those of the host. The content of this podcast is not meant to be legal or medical advice. Warning, this episode contains graphic details of murder and is not suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, True Crime Army. I am your host, Marco, and this is a true crime podcast where I focus on crimes committed by military members and veterans. But don't worry, you don't have to know anything about the military to listen, I promise. You just have to be a true crime enthusiast. And if that's you, welcome home. This episode is a little different than those I usually cover. I cover true crime cases to bring awareness and to remind us to remain vigilant because bad people are everywhere. I usually bring you cases that have a verdict. This is what happened and this is the result. Or I bring you a missing person case where loved ones are looking for answers. But today, I am bringing you a case out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's the murder of George Floyd. What? Yes, you heard me. This is not a political podcast. This is a true crime podcast. So I will discuss facts and law. But you're probably wondering, Why is she covering George Floyd on military murder? Well, first, I have to explain where my head's at. For the last several weeks, I basically lived under a rock. Many of you know that my house flooded a few months ago, and I've been relocated twice since my house is now under construction. Well, my husband and I were dual military. I telework because of COVID. He goes into the office, and we have two little ladies who call me mom. Long story short, I don't watch the news, and really nothing shocks me anymore. All that to say that for a few weeks or maybe a few days, I was living under a rock. A week after Memorial Day, the Monday after Memorial Day, my dad called me and asked me if I was okay, if my neighborhood was okay. And I was confused. I was like, dad, why why are you asking me this? Everything's fine. My dad told me that he was concerned because over the weekend he had been watching the news and all of the protests and riots, they were happening right nearby where I live in DC. And I was like, what riots? (laughs) Now, I may have lost credibility with many of you right now. But listen, I know that some of you may know how I feel. My dad explained the protests and the riots were over George Floyd's murder. And I figured my dad was just exaggerating about these riots everywhere. And I just went about my day teleworking from home for my day job, dealing with my contractor who's repairing my flooded house parenting my two young children while also helping a friend who was going through a crisis and working on this podcast. So later that Monday afternoon, I received a text message from Washington, D.C. telling me that they were setting a curfew, 7 p.m. Then my husband came home and told me to turn on the TV that the president was going to speak. And I was like, what? So I turned on the television and this was the first time that I actually watched the news. As I sat there watching the news retell the stories of the week since Memorial Day, I was shocked. I looked over at my two little girls who have never, ever watched the news before. And I thought, how do I explain this to them? Well, I continued to make dinner and then I became more and more curious about the cops who murdered George Floyd. I hadn't watched the video of George Floyd because I had seen a still frame of it and I turned it off because it was just too hard to watch. But after hearing various sources talk about it and my grandma informed me that the man, George Floyd, had cried out for his mom 
I thought, you know, I wonder if I can cover this case somehow because there's just so much new information coming out every day. I wonder if there's a military connection so I can bring this to my audience. So a quick Google search revealed that yes, there is a military connection. Derek Chauvin, the police officer who kneeled on George Floyd's neck for nearly nine minutes, he's a military veteran. And so here we are. Join me today as I tell you a story of police brutality caught on camera and broadcast to the world. A case that saw peaceful protest, violent riots, more police brutality, yet forced us all to stop and listen. This is the murder of George Floyd. I usually invite you to dig in with me, but given the case, instead I will say, let's discuss. My sources for this episode include a New York Times article and a video by Evan Hill, Christian Tribet, Haley Willis, and Robin Stein. Articles by CBS News Minnesota, Fox 8, Fox 6, the various Hennepin County criminal complaints, People Magazine, KARE 11, BBC News, Heavy.com, CNN, and everyone's favorite, Wikipedia. And of course, I can't forget YouTube. George Floyd was born on October 14, 1974 in Fayetteville, North Carolina, but he didn't call North Carolina home. Floyd was raised in Houston, Texas. That's where he called home. Floyd was a larger than life type of man, tall and built tough. At the time of our story, he was 46 years old and he weighed in at 223 pounds and was six foot four inches tall. According to Jonathan Vale, who's Floyd's childhood friend, when Floyd was 12 years old, he was already six foot two inches tall. And well, he used this to his advantage. When he attended Yates High School in Houston, he was on the basketball team and the football team. He graduated from high school in 1993 and attended South Florida Community College for two years, where he played on the basketball team. After two years in community college, he transferred to Texas A&M Kingsville, and he played basketball for a hot minute, but then he dropped out of college. According to his Wikipedia page, Floyd dabbled in hip hop as a rapper, and he was known as Big Floyd, and he was a part of a group called Screwed Up Click. I'm unsure of what Floyd had going on from the late 90s to the early 2000s, but we know that he had a few run-ins with the law. According to an article written about George Floyd and BBC News, we know he had several arrests for theft and drug possession. And in 2007, he was charged with armed robbery in a home invasion. And in 2009, he entered a plea deal where he agreed to plead guilty for receiving a five-year jail sentence. After roughly four years in jail, George Floyd was paroled in 2013. Maybe due to the current trajectory of his life, Floyd decided that he wanted to help people in similar situations as himself. And once he was paroled, he started mentoring young men in a Christian church community. In 2014, he relocated to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where he would lay down roots in an attempt to find gainful employment. While in Minnesota, he worked as a truck driver for a while to make ends meet, and then he found a gig as a bouncer at a local Latino nightclub called Conga Latin Bistro. He even worked security at a local Salvation Army for some time. And according to Floyd's Wikipedia page, Floyd fathered five children. His youngest child is five-year-old Gianna. Floyd was hit hard like the rest of us during the COVID-19 pandemic. And once everything was shut down and we were all quarantined, Floyd lost his job as a bouncer. So that's where Floyd's story takes us right up to Memorial Day 2020. Now let's discuss what happened. 
Hi, everyone. For anyone who follows me on Instagram, I recently posted a picture of me with my kiddos at Disney in front of the Disney castle. But I posted it because my shoulders were looking on fire, defined, toned, and overall just pleasant to look at. So many of you asked me in my DMs for my secret. And of course, my secret is 4 a.m. workouts. But I get the oomph to wake up at 4 a.m. and work out from my pre-workout drink called Energy Explosion. My pre-workout powder was created by world-renowned fitness guru Natalia Melofit. I have been following Natalia for many years now. And in fact, after my second C-section, I hired her as my fitness trainer. And she also helped me postpartum with my third C-section as well. So when she came out with a pre-workout supplement that didn't cause any of the jitters and the crashing, I knew I needed to try it. Energy Explosion helps with energy, and it keeps me going all through the morning hours. Because I take it first thing in the morning, which is when I choose to work out, I no longer require that morning cup of joe. This pre-workout has nootropic ingredients, which significantly help me personally with mental clarity and focus. Which, listen, when you're juggling what feels like hundreds of tasks a day, it truly does help. And guess what? My listeners are getting 15% off your order. What? Yes, please. If you're ready to get the pump without the jitters, visit mbodysup.com and enter my code MAMAMARGO at checkout for 15% off your order. That's M as in Mike, body, sup as in Sierra, uniform, papa, papa, dot com. Add energy explosion to your car and use my code MAMAMARGO, that's M-A-M-A-M-A-R-G-O-T for 15% off. Enjoy, and when you use it, please DM me so we can talk about your workouts. It was Monday, Memorial Day, May 25th, and Floyd walked into a small convenience store called Cup Foods on the corner of Chicago Avenue and East 38th Street in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Floyd was somewhat of a regular at Cup Foods. He asked a cashier for a pack of cigarettes as he reached for a crisp $20 bill out of his pocket. He paid, grabbed his cigarettes and his change, and walked outside. He got into an SUV that was parked across the street from the Cup Foods. Floyd was in the SUV with two others. Floyd was in the driver's seat, a man was in the passenger seat, and a female was in the back seat. Meanwhile, the two teenage employees of Cup Foods started to inspect the $20 bill that Floyd had given them. When they looked at the bill and they suspected that it was a counterfeit bill, apparently counterfeit money is a thing in this neighborhood. It's like a real problem. The employees peeked their heads outside and realized that Floyd, the patron who they believed had just given them a counterfeit $20 bill, was right there. So these two scrawny looking teenagers crossed the street. They approached the SUV from the passenger window and they tell Floyd, hey, this is a fake $20 bill. Give us back the cigarettes. Now, it's unclear from the surveillance video what was actually said, but the two teenagers walk back inside the store empty handed. It's about 8 p.m. and the Cup Foods employees call 911. And I pulled the verbatim transcript of the 911 call from the CBS local Minnesota news. And this is verbatim what occurred on that 911 call. 911, what's the address of the emergency? This is uh, 3729 Chicago Avenue. How can I help you? Um, someone comes our store and give us fake bills. And we realized it before he left the store and we ran back outside. They was sitting on their car. We tell them to give us their phone, but they're uh, inaudible. Thing back and everything. And he was also drunk and everything and returned to give us our cigarettes back. And so he can. 
so he can go home, but he doesn't want to do that. And he's sitting on his car because he's awfully drunk and he's not in control of himself. Okay, what type of vehicle does he have? And uh, he's got a vehicle that is, uh, uh, he got a vehicle that is, uh, one second, let me see if I can see the license. The driver's license is BRJ026. It's a blue color. It's a blue van. Blue van? Yes, van. Is it out from or is it on 38th Street? Uh, it's on 38th Street. On 38th Street. So this guy gave a counterfeit bill, has your cigarettes, and he's under the influence of something? Something like that. Yes, he is not acting right. What's he look like? What race? Um, he's a tall guy. He's like tall and bald, about like six, six and a half, and he's not acting right. So, and he started to go drive the car. Okay, so female or male? Um, is it a boy or a girl? Uh, he's asking an inaudible. One, one second. Hello. Okay, is he white, black, native, Hispanic, Asian? No, he's black guy. All right. How is your day going? Not too bad. Had a long day, huh? My name is. All right. A phone number for you? All right. I've got help on the way. If that vehicle or that person leaves before we get there, just give us a call back. Otherwise, we'll have squad cars out there shortly, okay? No problem. The caller and the operator likely never imagined their every word on this call would be scrutinized by the world. I found a really good reconstruction video of the events that went down on that Memorial Day evening. It was by the New York Times, and I encourage everyone to watch the 10-minute video. Floyd was actually in a blue-colored SUV, not a van. According to ABC News, eight minutes after the 911 call was made, two Minneapolis police officers, Thomas Lane and Jay Alexander Kyung, arrive on scene. They spotted the blue SUV, and they approached on foot. They never went into Cup Foods to inspect the $20 bill, they just arrived on scene and went straight to the blue SUV, even though the caller said it was a blue van. This scene was caught on the surveillance video of a local restaurant called Dragon Walk. Officer Lane approached the driver's side door, while Officer Kyung approached the passenger door from the rear. The passenger door was ajar and Floyd was in the driver's seat. It's not even a few seconds later that Officer Lane was seen removing his service weapon from its holster and he appeared to be telling Floyd to put his hands on the wheel while Lane had his gun drawn. Lane didn't have his gun out very long before he reholstered the weapon. At this point, a man in a vehicle behind Floyd's car begins to record on his phone. Now, we can see the driver's side door was open and Officer Lane was seen putting his hands into the vehicle to pull Floyd out of the SUV. Officer Kyung joined to help and they handcuffed Floyd's hands behind his back. Officer Kyung then walked a handcuffed Floyd to the sidewalk where Floyd leaned against the wall, then sat on the floor. At this point, Officer Lane told Floyd that he was being arrested for passing counterfeit currency. Six minutes later, Officers Lane and Kyung walk Floyd to the police car. While they're in front of the police car, Floyd is seen falling to the ground, apparently on his own. According to the officers, as they were trying to place Floyd into the police car, Floyd started to say that he was claustrophobic and he resisted being placed into the police car. Then Floyd turned his head to the cops and told them he couldn't breathe. 
Meanwhile, another police car showed up and then two minutes later, another police car arrived and out walked Officer Derek Chauvin and Tao Tao. At this point, Floyd was still refusing to get into the police car and Chauvin got involved. Now, I just want to describe that when you're looking at the vehicle, the police car, both back doors are open while they're trying to put Floyd inside. This is when Cup Food security footage shows Floyd was somehow already in the back of the police car. But both back doors, like I said, were open and there is clearly a struggle going on. It appears that Floyd is maybe lying in the back seat. Maybe he's struggling. It's unclear. But Officer Kyung had his feet on the ground but his upper body was leaning forward inside the rear of the police car as if he was struggling with Floyd. Officer Tao was watching this unfold from the outside. Then Officer Kyung got his hand on the door as if he was about to try to quickly remove himself from the car and shut the back door behind him. But then there was a quick move and it's unclear in the video if Floyd was attempting to jump from the other side of the police car, which seems like it would be difficult for someone who's handcuffed or if he was grabbed and pulled out of the vehicle. But then Floyd finds himself lying next to the police car on his stomach in the street with his face shoved into the ground. We later learned that Officer Chauvin actually grabbed Floyd out of the car and pushed him to the floor. A witness across the street now turns on their phone and starts recording, and Floyd was on the ground parallel with the police car, head towards the back of the car, feet towards the front of the car. And Officer Chauvin had his knee on Floyd's neck. Officer Kyung was kneeling near Floyd's waist and Officer Lane was kneeling near Floyd's feet. And Officer Tao was standing at Floyd's head. A few seconds later, you can hear Floyd crying out, I can't breathe, man, please. Officer Lane then saw a person filming and he told the bystander to go to the other side of the sidewalk because this bystander was was really like up in the officer's grill. Officer Lane then called for non-emergency medical assistance because it appeared that Floyd was bleeding from the mouth. Not even one minute later, Officer Lane upgrades the call for emergency assistance. Remember, he had just called for non-emergency assistance. By now, you have another bystander nearby who's filming on her phone. She's filming from the sidewalk, but you can only really see Floyd's head and Officer Chauvin's face and knee from her angle. The person filming is a 17-year-old girl who just happened to be walking by. But this is the angle likely seen over a million times around the world. After Officer Lane phoned in for medical assistance, The video showed Officer Chauvin didn't let up any pressure off of Floyd's neck. So even though they called for emergency assistance, Chauvin continues placing pressure on Floyd's neck. Floyd cried out, I can't breathe. And Chauvin said, you're talking just fine. Then Officer Chauvin asked Floyd, what do you want? And Floyd yelled, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Please, the knee, the knee. I can't breathe. A bystander chimed in. Then get up and get in the car, man. Yet Chauvin held his position on Floyd's neck tight. Floyd yelled, I will. The bystander repeated in agony, get up and get in the car then. Floyd cried, I will. I can't move. And Chauvin didn't let up. You can actually see all of Chauvin's weight on his left leg is on Floyd's neck. Because if you look closely at Chauvin's foot, Chauvin was wearing these black military boots. And you can see in the video that only a part of his big toe is on the ground. 
The rest of his foot is off the ground, meaning that the weight of his body, or at least half of the weight of his body, is on Floyd's neck. Then you can actually see Chauvin dig in deeper to Floyd's neck with his knee. You can see his weight shift forward. All the while, a bystander kept yelling, get up and get in the car, get up and get in the car. But Chauvin had no intention of letting Floyd get up. In a heart-wrenching moment of agony, Floyd cried out, Mama, Mama. And it's not until this video has gone viral hours later that the world learns that Floyd's mama died two years earlier. While Floyd was on the ground with Chauvin's knee on his neck, he cried out, I can't breathe, over a dozen times. Only 25 minutes after the Cup Foods employees phoned the police, Floyd closed his eyes and appeared to stop moving. The bystanders are heard shouting, look at him, get off of him. What is wrong with y'all? Check his pulse. Chauvin quickly looks down and appears to stare at Floyd, never checking for a pulse, nor releasing any pressure from Floyd's neck. Then, Officer Chauvin, still with his knee in Floyd's neck, yanked the can of mace out of his officer tool belt, if that's what you call it, and started shaking it and looking at all the bystanders that were yelling at the officer to get off of Floyd's neck. All the while, Officer Tao was standing there acting as Chauvin's bodyguard. Minutes go by and the bystanders are getting irate. One man yells, bro, he's not moving. Officer Chauvin still kept applying pressure, never once removing his knee. One girl said, yo, did they kill him, bro? The crowd was getting irate, yelling, check his pulse. And Officer Tao just stood there seriously acting like he was the bouncer at Dunkin' Donuts during rush hour. Officer Lane asked if they should turn Floyd on his side. And Officer Chauvin said, quote, no, staying put where we got him, end quote. And guess what? Chauvin still had his knee on Floyd's neck. Officer Lane said, quote, I'm worried about excited delirium or whatever, end quote. Chauvin responded, quote, that's why we have him on his stomach, end quote. At 8.27 p.m., the ambulance arrived. One of the EMTs checked Floyd's pulse, all the while Chauvin did not remove his knee from Floyd's neck. Finally, one of the EMTs motioned for Chauvin to remove his knee, and he finally did. Then... Floyd, lifeless, is seen being yanked by the handcuffs and placed on a nearby stretcher. They load him into the ambulance and quickly depart, likely because a crowd was quickly forming at what will soon become ground zero of the newly invigorated Black Lives Matter movement. The EMTs call the fire department for help because we all know that firefighters are the shiznits. And when they arrive looking for Floyd, the cops are just lollygagging, smoking and joking with the fire department instead of pointing fire in the right direction to catch up with the ambulance. Then the operator got on the line and she's like, hello, get the firemen to the ambulance now. But it's too late because by this point, Floyd was in full cardiac arrest. George Floyd was pronounced dead at 9.25 p.m. After Floyd was taken from the scene, the officers were seen trying to figure out who was going in what car and whatnot. What they probably never imagined was the power of a 17-year-old girl with a smartphone. 
the power of social media and the power of all races to come together to seek justice, not just for George Floyd, but so many African-Americans treat it like less than humans due to the color of their skin. I should note that George Floyd was African-American and the four police officers, Chauvin was white, Officer Tao was Asian-American, Officer Lane was white, and Officer Kyung was African-American. By Tuesday morning, the video of George Floyd outside of the Cup Foods yelling, I can't breathe, had been viewed and circulated over a million times. Minneapolis Police Chief Medaria Arandando fired all four on-scene officers on Tuesday, which was a quick response and very different from most police departments where they place their officers on administrative leave, sometimes even paid while they investigate. But I imagine that someone at headquarters saw the video and there's just no further need to wait to see what happened. Videos don't lie. But the Minneapolis Police Department's quick firing was not enough to quench the thirst of so many that saw George Floyd's death as a wake-up call. Many felt it was time to break the cycle. Right away, the FBI became involved to investigate Floyd's death. By Tuesday night, Minneapolis residents took to the streets to protest what they had just witnessed. First up, the 3rd Precinct Police Department. Second up, Cup Foods. However, peaceful protests soon became violent riots. By Wednesday morning, the world knew the officers' names. Derek Chauvin, Tao Tao, Thomas Lane, and Jay Alexander Kyung. Peaceful protests continued while some violent protests turned to looting. And the protests spread to many major cities throughout the U.S. and across the world. By Thursday, the riots and looting got worse as rioters in Minneapolis set the police precinct on fire and destroyed various other businesses. Recently, I covered two unsolved cases, which I am sure caused you to pause and analyze your inner detective. Well, if you want to hone in on that inner detective, then you need to check out June's Journey. June's Journey is a mobile game that you can play anywhere while connected to Wi-Fi. June's Journey takes you through the main character, June's, adventure to uncover family secrets. Her first task is to uncover the mystery of her sister's death. You will be using your keen eye to spot hidden clues in the immersive scenes that take you across the globe. The scene is set in the 1920s, so it's like going back in time. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game, and I love playing while waiting for my kids at the bus stop. It allows me to clear my mind from the tasks of the day and to refocus on my mommy duties. What I love about June's Journey is that not only are you searching for objects, but you can join other players online in a detective club. And then you also get to design this luxurious island estate that is all yours. And if you have friends who play, you can gift each other trees, flowers, and other amazing decorative items. Today, I invite you to escape reality and immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Go ahead, download June's Journey today. Mahmoud Abumayali, the owner of Cup Foods, had called this corner home for 31 years, and he's not sure what went wrong that Memorial Day evening. He was out of town that evening, but he said that it's not uncommon for workers to call the cops when they get counterfeit money. The way it usually works, though, is that the cops come in, question the person about where they got the money, and that's it. Interestingly, Mahmoud remembered that while the officers were outside assaulting Floyd, 
one of his nephews, who I'm assuming is also one of the employees who called the cops, called him and told him that something was happening outside the window. The guy was very distressed. Now, Mahmoud told Fox 6 Now that his only response was, quote, call the police on the police, end quote. What the what? I never thought about that. But who do you call when an officer in uniform is being unreasonable? By Friday, May 29th, Hennepin County attorney Mike Freeman charged Derek Chauvin with third degree murder and second degree manslaughter. He was arrested in Minneapolis without incident. However, Chauvin and his wife own a townhouse in Florida. The Florida townhouse address was leaked to the public before Chauvin's arrest and a peaceful protest took place in front of Chauvin's Florida townhouse, many believing that he had fled and was likely hiding out there. But this actually turned out to be fake news. According to Fox 8 News, Chauvin is currently at the Oak Park Heights State Prison, which is the highest security prison in Minnesota. Of course, they wanted to protect him and it didn't make sense for them to lock him up in a jail when the cops were outside making arrests for the riots going on because of what they alleged he did. They didn't want Chauvin to find himself, you know, face to face with an outraged citizen. It would be real life MMA in there. Let me take a few moments to explain what the charges mean. Third degree murder. The maximum sentence for third degree murder is 25 years. And the charge read that on or about May 25th, 2020 in Hennepin County, Minnesota, Derek Michael Chauvin caused the death of George Floyd by perpetrating an act eminently dangerous to others and evincing a depraved mind without regard for human life. So this is basically a depraved heart killing. A what? (laughs) Fox 9 News covered a police shooting back in 2017, and they tried to explain a depraved heart killing to their readers, and they cited a Maryland appellate court decision. And I liked the definition. I think that it's very digestible. And so here it is. A depraved heart killing involves a knowingly dangerous act with reckless and wanton unconcern and indifference as to whether anyone is harmed or not. It's like basically doing something that's dangerous and not giving two craps if someone gets hurt. Like, who cares? You know, that's type of depraved heart killing. The second charge levied against Chauvin was second degree manslaughter. Second degree manslaughter is punishable by up to 10 years in prison and or a $20,000 fine. The charge read that on or about May 25th, 2020 in Hennepin County, Minnesota, Derek Michael Chauvin caused the death of George Floyd by his culpable negligence, creating an unreasonable risk and taking a chance of causing death or great bodily harm to George Floyd. The criminal complaint indicated that Chauvin kept his knee on Floyd's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Two minutes and 53 seconds of that time, Floyd laid on the ground non-responsive. And according to the criminal complaint, quote, police are trained that this type of restraint with a subject in a prone position is inherently dangerous, end quote. Chauvin's bail was set at $500,000. Twelve hours after Floyd was declared dead, his body was cold as ice as he lay dead face-to-face with Dr. Andrew Baker, the Hennepin County Medical Examiner. 
Dr. Baker's autopsy report revealed that Floyd died from a combination of pre-existing health conditions exacerbated by being held down by police officers. Something of note from this ME report was that Floyd did have small abrasions on his forehead, his face, his upper lip, his shoulders, his hands, his elbows, and his legs. Dr. Baker conducted a post-mortem COVID-19 test, and it revealed that Floyd was positive for COVID-19. But apparently, Floyd had tested positive for COVID back in April, and doctors believe that COVID just never went away, and Floyd was a silent COVID-19 carrier. The medical examiner ran a drug test on Floyd, and the results revealed that Floyd did have drugs in his system at the time of his death. Although I should know that the levels at which he tested positive were so low that they would not even trigger a positive urinalysis on a random military P-test. So Floyd tested positive for fentanyl, norfentanyl, morphine, methamphetamine, THC, which is marijuana, cotinine, which is a nicotine metabolite, and caffeine. When Floyd's family received the autopsy report, they called baloney. They wanted an independent autopsy, and they got one. The independent autopsy was led by Dr. Michael Bodden, a former New York City medical examiner, and Dr. Alicia Wilson, who is the University of Michigan Medical School's Director of Autopsy and Forensic Services. ABC News reported that the independent autopsy found that Floyd's death was a, quote, homicide caused by asphyxia due to neck and back compression that led to a lack of blood flow to the brain, end quote. The ME found that the weight on Floyd's back and the handcuff positioning contributed to Floyd's inability to breathe properly. During a press conference, Dr. Bodden said, quote, when Floyd said, I can't breathe, unfortunately, many people are under the impression that if you can talk, that means you're breathing. That is not true, end quote. I've posted a really good video of Dr. Bodden explaining the mechanics of breathing and how air comes in and out of the body. And you can check that out on my website. So I'll post that there if you wanted to take a look. It's really difficult to find anything on YouTube nowadays because there's just so much information about George Floyd. The independent autopsy unequivocally found that the manner of death was homicide, whereas the initial medical examiner report found that Floyd died because of both medical conditions and Chauvin's knee. So are you ready to learn more about the four officers that responded to the scene of an alleged counterfeit $20 bill and a possible drunk person? All right, let's start with 44-year-old Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin was born on March 19, 1976. David Griswold of KARE 11 reported that before Derek Chauvin joined the Minneapolis police force, he trained as a cook, then started dabbling in law enforcement, finally joining the Army Reserves in 1996 and serving as a military police officer until 2004. Stars and Stripes reported that Chauvin left the military as a specialist. Chauvin became a Minneapolis cop in 2001, and the only bad, air, air quoting here, paperwork in his police record included a 2007 incident that resulted in a reprimand. 
Basically, Chauvin pulled a woman over after he caught her going 10 miles over the speed limit, pulled her out of the car, frisked her, and put her in the police cruiser, allegedly to question her at the precinct. An investigation into the incident found that Chauvin didn't need to remove this lady from the car, and he was scolded for, surprise, surprise, not having his squad car video on. But just like many of the other criminals that I cover on this podcast, Chauvin had been recognized for his bravery more times than he had actually been formally reprimanded. In 2006, he received the Medal of Valor after he was one of many responding officers responding to a stabbing incident. When he arrived on scene, the stabbing suspect pointed a shotgun at the officers and Chauvin and the others returned fire. For this incident, he received the Medal of Valor. In 2008, Chauvin received another medal after he responded to the scene of a domestic violent incident, busted down the bathroom door, and shot the suspect in the stomach. In 2008, Chauvin received a commendation medal after he and his partner caught a suspect who was making a run for it while carrying a pistol. And in 2009, Chauvin received another commendation medal after he allegedly single-handedly busted a group of gang members while he was working security at the El Nuevo Rodeo nightclub. But outside of the time he was formally reprimanded, Derek Chauvin found himself at the center of 17 complaints filed against him with internal affairs. Communities Against Police Brutality is a nonprofit that contains a database for complaints against cops in the state of Minnesota. According to this organization, Chauvin received oral reprimands for using demeaning tone, derogatory language, and other language that merited discipline. So this was like a slap on the wrist, kind of like he got a stern talking to, but it was not documented in paperwork. In addition to his full-time job as a police officer, Chauvin also worked as a security guard at a local Latin nightclub for many years, which I mentioned the name of the nightclub earlier, El Nuevo Rodeo Nightclub. Tao Tao had served on the police force for 11 years and began his career as a community service officer in 2008 before being promoted to officer in 2009, but he was soon laid off and rehired in 2012. Tao Tao had six complaints opened against him with internal affairs, and one remains open, and the other five complaints were closed without anything happening to Tao. Tao was also involved in a police brutality lawsuit in 2017. CNN reported that the lawsuit stemmed from an October 2014 arrest where complainant Lamar Ferguson claimed that Officer Tao and another officer handcuffed him, then used unreasonable force, including punches, kicks, and knees to the face, while Ferguson was defenseless and handcuffed. The lawsuit was settled in December of 2017 for $25,000. Thomas Lane was a rookie cop. Some reports claim that he joined the force in early 2019, while other reports claim that he was on the force only four days at the time of George Floyd's murder. Prior to joining the force, he was a juvenile detention guard and he previously volunteered with Somali refugees. J. Alexander Kyung graduated from the University of Minnesota in 2018. While he was in college, he worked part-time doing campus security and security for the local Macy's. He must have really liked policing because in February of 2019, he joined the police force as well. And just like in Thomas Lane's case, reports indicate that he was a rookie and on the day that he responded to George Floyd's location, 
It was just Kyung's third shift as a cop. Apparently, the baby cops are on probation for a year and then they become full-fledged cops. I don't know how it works, but that's why it's a little bit confusing as to how long they had actually been police officers and how long they had actually been out on the street. And just so you are all aware, during Floyd's arrest, Chauvin was the training officer. So the two newbies, Kyung and Lane, they were taking notes and orders from Chauvin. On June 3rd, Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison upgraded the third-degree murder charge against Derek Chauvin to second-degree murder. This time, the criminal complaint stated that Chauvin caused Floyd's death without intent to affect the death of any person while committing third-degree assault. Basically, but for Chauvin's knee and the assault that happened, because maybe he could claim that he he was holding him down because he was resisting, but at some point the guy passed out. So the continuing aspect of him keeping his knee once Floyd passed out, that's where the third degree assault happens. So anyway, so but for Chauvin's knee, which caused Floyd to lose consciousness, Floyd would still be here. With the upgraded charges, specifically, this is called felony murder. Chauvin now faces 40 years in prison if convicted of the elevated murder charge. A lot of things happened on the day that Chauvin's charges were upgraded. For example, Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz and the Minnesota Department of Human Rights, they launched a civil rights investigation into the Minneapolis Police Department and its history of racial discrimination. And on that same day, Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison also levied charges against the other three officers involved in George Floyd's murder. They were all charged with aiding and abetting second-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter. They were all arrested. The complaint against the other three officers are virtually identical to Chauvin's, except for a few differences. Thomas Lane's complaint indicates that he did ask if they should turn Floyd onto his back. So, you know, kudos to him for realizing that something was wrong. But the complaint points out that despite his initial concerns, he dropped the subject. Ugh, give me back those kudos, Lane. The complaint against Kyung, remember he was the cop positioned between Chauvin and Lane. That complaint states that Kyung heard the entire conversation about turning Floyd around and did nothing. So no kudos for you, Kyung. However, Kyung's lawyer alleges, and I'm not sure if this is caught on the body cam because there is body cam footage out there, but Kyung alleges that he did say, quote, you shouldn't do this, end quote. As for Tao, the criminal complaint against him points out that he initially grabbed a hobble restraint from the squad car, but then the officers decided not to use it. Okay, so you may be wondering, what in the hell is a hobble restraint? Well, don't worry. I was your guinea pig and I Googled it. According to the Oregonian and various YouTube videos that I saw, A hobble restraint is a nylon strap that ties a person's ankles together and then basically connects a person's handcuffed hands to their ankles. So imagine a person is laying on their belly, their hands are handcuffed behind their back, their feet are tied, and then the same string that's used to tie the person's feet is then tied around the handcuffs to kind of bring the the hands and the feet together. Mental picture, I guess, anyway. Well, 
this form of restraint with the hobble restraint thingy is a, quote, maximum restraint used on combative people, end quote. Many of you may be wondering if the type of knee hold that Chauvin was applying on Floyd's neck was ever okay. Like, is this legal? And the answer is yes. According to the Minneapolis Police Department policies and procedures, which are available online, quote, neck restraint is a non-deadly force option, end quote. A neck restraint is defined as compressing one or both sides of a person's neck with an arm or leg without applying direct pressure to the trachea or airway, which is the front of the neck. Only cops with Minnesota Police Department training in this type of restraint are authorized to use the neck restraint. Now, let me complicate matters even more. Stay with me, okay? There are two authorized neck restraints. You guys are going to freak out. There's the conscious neck restraint and the unconscious neck restraint. Yup, <laughs> you heard me correctly. A conscious neck restraint is when a subject is placed in a neck restraint with the intent to control. Basically, you're applying light to moderate pressure. You are not trying to knock the person out. You just want to get their attention, kind of get gain control of the situation. An unconscious neck restraint is when a subject is placed in a neck restraint with the intent of rendering the person unconscious by applying adequate pressure. According to the Minnesota Police Department policies and procedures, cops can use the conscious neck restraint when a criminal suspect is actively resisting. Cops can use the unconscious neck restraint for a couple of reasons. One, if a subject is exhibiting active aggression. Two, for life-saving purposes. Or three, if lesser attempts at a conscious chokehold don't stop the suspect from moving. These were the rules that applied when George Floyd met that untimely death. But on June 5th, 2020, the Minneapolis City Council held an emergency session to discuss police officers' use of chokeholds and neck restraints, and they didn't see any issues with banning the dangerous practice immediately. During that same session, an injunction was issued requiring, one, that all officers must now report use of force. Two, officers are expected to intervene if they observe unauthorized use of force. And three, discipline decisions by the police chief must be timely. So I, was, I got to thinking, I guess common sense isn't common anymore. You know, it's it, everything needs to be in writing. After Floyd died, Maya Santa Maria, who was the former owner of the nightclub where Chauvin occasionally worked off duty as security, she spoke out. Maya stated that both Floyd and Chauvin, both Floyd and Chauvin worked security gigs at the nightclub. What? They actually did this during the same time frame, according to Maya, although she wasn't sure if Floyd and Chauvin actually knew each other. However, Maya did observe that Chauvin was, quote, unnecessarily aggressive on nights when the nightclub had black clientele, quelling fights by dousing the crowd with pepper spray and calling in several police squad cars as backup, end quote. And this is a tactic that Maya called, quote, overkill. I would like to take a minute to discuss the new charges against Chauvin, because when I watched the entire video from different angles, I felt all kinds of ways on the inside. I felt anger. I felt hate. And I felt that I had just witnessed a murder. The world, you, 
me, your boss, your parents, your kids, anyone who watched that video, we witnessed a cold-blooded murder. I didn't understand how this could only be unintentional murder, though. Seemed pretty intentional to me. So the only higher charge that Chauvin could be charged with is first-degree murder, which requires premeditation and intention. So I analyzed the video and I analyzed the video, wondering, did Chauvin premeditate this murder? I've mentioned before in this podcast that you can create premeditation in, in, in an instant, in an instant. The law doesn't require this long, drawn-out plan. As we learned from the criminal complaint and the video, Chauvin held his knee on Floyd's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. After about five minutes of moving his head from side to side, shouting, I can't breathe, please, man, I can't breathe, please, I can't breathe, ease up on the knee, please don't kill me, mama, Floyd stopped talking and then he stopped moving. This should be a sign for a person, a reasonable person who is charged with serving and protecting the people that something is wrong. But Chauvin continued to place most of his weight on Floyd's neck. Before the moment that Floyd stopped moving, I'm going to give Chauvin the benefit of the doubt. And I know you guys are pissed, but hear me out. After Floyd stopped moving, someone yells, he stopped moving. Move it, move it. What the f***? All the while, Chauvin is seen on video looking straight down at Floyd. Chauvin can't claim that he didn't hear or didn't know what was happening because the person shouted, he's not breathing, he's not moving. And Chauvin looks at Floyd to check. Someone tried to play devil's advocate while I was playing the scenario out, talking to, to one of my friends or whatever. And they asked, what if Chauvin claims in court that he was overwhelmed by the crowd that was forming around him? And to that, I say bull. He's a military veteran, a 19-year police officer. He's staring at the man straight away. He's not distracted. He knows exactly what he's doing. Then, Chauvin, who's being protected by another police officer, Tao, he grabs his pepper spray and threatens the crowd right there. He's not listening to reason. He's not listening to these people. Then a man kept yelling, he's not responsive right now. He's not responsive right now. Shouts of check for a pulse, please check for a pulse start erupting from the small crowd on the sidewalk. Yet a police officer who is responding to a counterfeit $20 bill refuses to check for a pulse. Quote, is he breathing right now? Check his pulse. End quote. Someone shouts. Then Tao actually says the words, quote, I do not want to have this conversation right now. End quote. Really? Really, Tao? Well, guess what, my friend? You are going to have this conversation in a court of law and we will all be watching. Then a bystander actually sees Tao's name tag and says, quote, Tao, check his pulse, dude, end quote. Now, listen, these bystanders, these witnesses, they are my heroes because they are getting very upset. I mean, at the risk of potentially being shot by these police officers, they are checking all of the boxes for the prosecutors. Now, Tao can't be like, I didn't hear them. I was confused and overwhelmed. Sorry, buddy. You were neither. Then Tao actually told the bystander, quote, don't do drugs, end quote. What the what? Are you serious right now, Tao? 
someone is being murdered right underneath your nose and you think that you're part of a dare commercial? Like, come on, man. Uh, And so then a bystander starts asking Tao, quote, do you call what he's doing okay? End quote. And the witness repeats this question multiple times. Do you call what he is doing okay? Then out of nowhere, oh, homeboy from the Cup Foods chimes in with, quote, bro, he's off crack right now. He's probably OD, end quote. This is the employee, the one who called 911, I think. And he seemed to be talking about Floyd. The bystander looks at him and he's like, dude, get the crap out of here. You're not helping me right now. He's getting murdered. Shouts of, quote, he's not moving. He's not moving, end quote, continue. And after about two minutes of Floyd not moving, a girl is heard saying, quote, did they just kill him, bro? End quote. I mentioned earlier that for argument's sake, that before Floyd stopped moving, I would give Chauvin the benefit of the doubt. However, every single time that a bystander shouted, he's not moving, check his pulse, check his pulse, he's not moving. Every single time that a bystander cried out, please check his pulse, do you think what you're doing is okay? That's one extra second that Chauvin is thinking full well about what he's doing. I've talked to multiple people about this. You guys can tell I've been talking to lots of people about this. And I've read the police department's policies and procedures. And an unconscious chokehold is meant to render the person unconscious. Once you have achieved that goal, which is likely when a person stops moving, you remove that pressure. You get the person medical attention and then you book them for whatever it is that you need to book them for. You don't keep pressing. Come on, man. That's like true crime 101. So Chauvin isn't a new cop. Any cop, in fact, any cop under the moon knows that in order to cut off a person's circulation, you have to strangle someone for many, many minutes past the time when they like stop talking and moving. Chauvin can't sit here now on video and claim ignorance. Now, Chauvin continues the deadly assault after minutes of bystanders making one simple request. Check the pulse. So, okay, maybe Chauvin's thinking these civilians, they don't know what they're talking about. I'm superior to everybody. But then Officer Lane, a fellow officer, starts to question what's happening. And Chauvin brushes it off like, nah, man, I got this. Yes, Chauvin, you do. And your actions and your words, they're caught on tape. So even though the charge as it stands is second degree unintentional murder, podcaster Margot thinks that there's a serious case for premeditated first degree murder. (laughs) I'm crazy, right? Would it be easy to prove? Heck no. But murder cases really are easy to prove. Some of you might think that I am completely out of my mind. And that's okay because I think that I am completely out of my mind, not only for saying this, but for saying it on this podcast. But you know, the premeditation was formed, in my opinion, in the first seconds after Floyd stopped moving, when Chauvin looks straight at Floyd. He knows what he is doing with his knee. He's cutting off Floyd's circulation. Chauvin forms the intent to commit the murder, in my opinion, After every time a bystander cries out, check his pulse, Chauvin hears the words, he considers the action, and he takes none. Why would he check the pulse? I mean, he wants to kill the guy, right? You know what? 
had he checked the pulse and said, listen, listen, guys, you don't know what you're talking about. He does have a pulse. He has a light pulse. Maybe, maybe he'd have an argument that he didn't think Floyd was dying, that he didn't think he was pressing his knee hard enough on Floyd's neck. But he never once, not once checked, not once did he check the pulse. Intent was formed when another trained officer asked, should we turn him? And Chauvin didn't bat an eye. Intent is written all over Chauvin's face when he had that dumb grin on his face. And if you've watched the video, you know exactly what I'm talking about. However, I understand that with screams of no justice, no peace, the state of Minnesota has an uphill battle to get a fair jury to sit on this trial and to get a police conviction, even on second degree murder charges. But I think that the state of Minnesota, as it stands right now with the current charges, I think that they have a pretty clean cut case. I know I should bite my tongue, but just know that it's very difficult to get a murder conviction against a police officer. NBC News legal analyst Danny Savayos discussed the upgraded charges against Chauvin, and he described the second degree murder charge as felony murder. Basically, the only thing that the state has to prove is that Chauvin was assaulting Floyd, which is the third degree assault, and that's a felony, and that the assault later resulted in someone's death. However, Danny Savayos hit the nail on the head when he pointed out that Chauvin's best defense will be to claim that Floyd had an underlying illness or ailment that could have caused Floyd to die. And remember, the burden is always on the state to prove something beyond a reasonable doubt. All the defense has to do is introduce a tiny, tiny shred of doubt to win the case, to change the mind of one juror. And remember, in this case, there are two conflicting autopsy reports. And the initial report claims that it was a combination of health problems and Chauvin's knee restraint that caused Floyd's death. So Chauvin's defense seems to have at least a jump off point from that autopsy report. So this leads me to my next statement. I would not be surprised if Chauvin is acquitted of the murder charge, convicted of a lesser charge and gets an extremely light sentence because the prosecutor can only do the best that they can. But after that, the doors to the jury room close and the case is in the jury's hands. And so now as a society, we just wait. A few interesting facts that I want to share. Chauvin is still in jail. His bail has been set at over $1 million. The other three officers' bail is set at $750,000. At the time of this recording, only one officer made bail, Thomas Lane. According to Heavy.com, someone set up a crowdfunding account for Thomas Lane, and they raised sufficient money in order to bail Thomas Lane out of jail. Crazy, huh? On that night a few weeks ago when I began researching this case, which was over a week after the rest of the world basically knew all the facts, I emerged from my podcast room shouting, now I know why the people have taken to the streets. George Floyd's murder has forced us all to be uncomfortable in the uncomfortable. It has allowed us to open dialogue in places we had never discussed race before, like work and even among friends. Race relations isn't new news. It surely isn't fake news. This is a tale as old as time. Are any of you wondering about the alleged $20 counterfeit bill? Oh my goodness, how this has bothered me every single day. 
Not because it makes any difference, murder is murder, but it matters to me because this was such a senseless murder. If the bill was a fake, it's possible Floyd didn't even know it was a fake. And if he did intentionally use it, the maximum sentence would have been one year in jail and or a $3,000 fine. So it's so frustrating. By the way, USA Today reported that the $20 bill was taken as evidence and the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension cannot reveal details of the $20 bill because this is an open and active investigation. So I guess we will find out about that $20 bill one day. Maybe. I want to give a disclaimer to say that I am pro-police officers. Clearly, the cops in these stories are awful. But I mean, without cops, who are you going to call? The Ghostbusters ain't coming, man. So to those that actually serve and protect, thank you. True Crime Army, thank you for tuning in yet again. I don't normally cover active cases because I like to keep my opinions to myself because you guys know I'm opinionated. But I wanted a reason to research the case to truly understand what was happening. And in this episode, I try to combine as much of the relevant information all in one place as it stands at the moment. Clearly, I haven't read every single article that was out there, but I have been prepping this case for, you know, a hot minute. And I just felt like every day that I sat down, and I read the news, I could add more stuff. So just understand that I didn't have I couldn't read everything out there. And so I tried to condense it. This is actually one of my longer episodes. Stick around after the credits if you want to hear the unedited audio of the scene as it played out outside the Cup Foods on Memorial Day 2020. So as more updates are available, I, I will probably wait until I can give a big chunk of update uh, versus or maybe just waiting until after this all kind of plays out. But I just want to say thanks for listening. And I hope that you'll stick around to hear how it all wraps up. Please share Military Murder on your social media platforms to your friends so they can listen as well. And if you like the show, you can support it by simply leaving a five-star review. Also, don't forget to follow me on social. I'm available on Instagram at Military Murder Podcast, on Facebook at Military True Crime, and Twitter at Military Murder. I am going to hold my shout outs and my producers until next time because I know how heated discussions can get around today's topic and I just want to leave it at that. This show was created and produced by Mama Margot Productions and the music was created by Tyops. Please check the show notes for a direct link to my resources page on my website. And there are a lot of resources for this particular episode. Until next time, remember, you never really know what someone is capable of. So remain vigilant always. You have a fabulous week and I'll keep digging to bring you another military murder story next week. I went back and forth debating if I would play the audio of 17-year-old Darnella Frazier's video on this episode, and I finally decided to play it for those of you who may not have wanted to listen before. Maybe you want to listen now. So here it is. And it begins after George Floyd is already on the ground with Chauvin's knee in his neck. The video lasts until a few minutes after George Floyd is taken away in the ambulance. This is very graphic and distressing audio, and I will not bleep out curse words. So please make sure that you have your headphones on if you have little ones around. But this is where I leave you today.
Get up, get in the car, man. I will. Get up, get in the car. I can't move. I've been waiting the whole time. <laughs> get up, get in the car. Mama. Get up and get Mama. in the car right. I can't. Get, get y'all the opportunity to get in, bro. I I'm told you, you can't win. My knee. You can't my neck. win, man. I'm through. I know you here, nigga. You didn't listen. Uh, that's the fool. My stomach hurts. My neck hurts. Everything hurts. <laughs> Ah, there's water or something. Please. Please. Ah, I can't breathe all the time. Ah, they will kill me. They will kill me, man. Ah, Bro, with your feet on his neck, man, you get off the ground. His man. nose is bleeding. Like, yeah, come that's, on that's now. That's wrong right there with his feet on his neck. Look at his man. nose. You can see your knee on his neck. Yeah, he got your feet right on his neck, I cannot, I cannot breathe. I cannot breathe. He's a grown guy. Oh, tough, oh, tough guy. Oh, a tough guy, huh? Oh, I see a tough guy. He's not even resisting the rest, bro. His whole nose is oh, oh, Why you just sitting there? He ain't doing nothing. Put down. him in the car. Don't kill me. How long y'all got to hold him down? Why don't you do drugs, kids? It ain't about drugs, bro. Y'all understand that? Y'all don't got to put y'all in Right. Uh, he is human, bro. Uh, He's his nose is bleeding. You can put him in the car. That's some we bum tried ass that shit. for 10 minutes. That's some bum ass shit, bro. That's some bum ass shit, bro. Y'all know that. You don't got to sit there with your knee on his neck, bro. He's Bro, he ain't crying, bro. You, you circle like in a jiu-jitsu move, bro? You try, you trapped in his breathing right there, bro. Like, you don't think that what it is, bro? You don't think nobody understands that shit right there, bro? I train at the academy, bro. That's some bullshit, bro. Right, that's bullshit, bro. That's bullshit, bro. You, you fucking stopping his breathing right there, bro. He's talking. Bro, but you could get him off the ground. You've been a bum right now. You could get him off the ground, bro. You could get him off the ground. You've been a bum right now. He enjoying that. He enjoying that shit. He enjoying that shit. He a fucking bum, bro. He enjoying that shit right now, bro. You could have fucking put him in the car He's by now, bro. He's not resisting arrest or He's nothing. Now. You enjoying it? Look at you. Your body language explains it. You fucking it. bum. Bro, get the fuck off of him. It's the whites. They love but, them. No, the I already know that, bro. I train with half of these bum ass dudes out. at what the, the academy, bro. You know that's bogus right now, bro. You know it's bogus. You can't even look at me like a man because you a bum, bro. He's not even resisting arrest right now, bro. His nose is bleeding. You fucking stopping his breathing right now, bro. You think that's cool? You think that's, that's cool, really though, not. right? What's your, right. what's your, what, oh, man, what's your badge number, bro? You think Honestly. that's cool right now, bro? You call police on another police. 
You think that's cool though, bro? You're a bum, bro. You're you're a bum for that. You're a bum for that, bro. You can't. You getting mad? You just sitting there stopping these breathing right Look now. Look at him. To go out right now, bro. Look at bro. him. Bro. Get, get off of him now. What is wrong with you? Like what the fuck? What the fuck? He got mad. He got mad. He cannot He's not responsive right now, bro. No, bro, look at him. He's not responsive right now, bro. Bro, are you serious? You gonna just let him sit here with that on the Let me see a is he breathing right now? Check his pulse. Check his pulse. Check his pulse, Tao. Check his pulse. Tao, check his pulse, Tao, check his pulse bro. Bro, check his pulse, bro. You bogus, bro. You bogus. Don't do drugs, bro. What is that? What do you think that is? You so you call what he doing okay? Get back on the You call what he doing okay? You call you call what you doing? You call what he doing okay, bro? Are you really a firefighter? Yes, I am from Minneapolis. Bro, you 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 call you think that's okay? Check his pulse. Check his right pulse. Check his pulse. Get back the Check. The man ain't moved yet, bro. The man ain't moved yet, bro. Bro, you're a bum, bro. You're a bum, bro. You're definitely a bum, bro. Tell me what his pulse is right now. Check the pulse. Bro, he has not moved not one time. He's off. He's off track right now. But bro, go back in the store, bro. You don't understand. No, no, no. I'm the reason. Okay, that's cool. Go back in the store, bro. Go back in the store, bro. He's not fucking moving. I see that. Bro, I'm, bro, I'm, I'm trying to help y'all out. Bro, you don't need to help What's me out, bro. I know your parents. I know everybody that owns the store. You don't need to help me the fuck out, bro. He's not fucking moving right now, bro. I just saw that, man. Bro, he was just moving I, when I walked up here. And I know, and then that he, he they, bro, they did that to you him. Just get out, to you him. just get back out here, bro. I've been watching it the bro, whole time. Bro, you just get back out here, bro. Bro, he doesn't have a bro. He's not fucking moving. No, oh, did they fucking kill him, bro? Bro, bro, what is you, 1087, bro? You're a bum, bro. 987, bro, you're a bum. First thing you want to grab is your mace because you scared, bro. Scared of fucking minorities, you fucking bum, bro. Like, bro, three minutes, bro. He's not fucking moving. Bro, he's not even fucking moving. Get off of his fucking neck, bro. Get off of his neck. Look at that, bro. Are you serious, bro? Are you serious? And you gonna keep your, you gonna keep, you gonna keep your, your thing on your neck? Yeah, bitch. Bro, we Bro, I barely touch me like that, dude. I swear I'll slap the fuck out of both of y'all. I didn't want to call the Bro, you just gonna let him keep his hand on his neck, bro? You're a bitch, bro. Tao, you gonna keep you gonna let him keep that like that? You gonna let him kill that man in front of you, bro? Huh? Huh? Like Bro, he's not even fucking moving right now, bro. This is not even fucking mouth. This is what it is. We gotta deal with this, bro. They're not gonna help us, bro. Right. He black. They don't care. If it ain't they people, they don't care, bro. You gonna just sit there with your knee on his neck, bro? You a grow, you a bro, you a real man for that, bro. He ain't handcuffed, bro. Just a real man. Listen, I'm a real man.
man, bro. I was freshman 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 The fact that you guys aren't checking his pulse and doing compressions if he needs them, you guys are on another level. Oh my god, bro. They just dragging him like, come on now. And I have your name tag, bitch. That's not very professional. It don't matter. So what? Freedom of speech. Freedom of speech, don't touch him. I got this all on camera. Watch out. Do not touch me. You touched him. You went to him. So shut up. You went to him. Y'all always try to start something. Don't ever touch me, bro. I ain't said a word. Have a nice day. Have a good day, bro. You damn near dead, bro. He's fucking dead, bro. I can't hold that. I appreciate you. You're wrong now, bro. You're wrong now, bro. They both get trapped. You such a man, bro. That shit crazy, bro. You could at least lifted him up off the ground, bro. We wouldn't even trip, bro. Yeah, 987, you just killed that nigga, bro. Y'all just, just him, really bro. just killed that man. You just really killed that man, bro. And if he not you dead, really he close to death. Man, That's bro. crazy. You just really killed that man, bro. This is the number of the police bro. car. All of that. Hey, bro, you bogus. You know that, bro. You know you bogus. That's why you can't look like a man, That's why you can't speak right You guys want some of the car? You guys want some of the car? You bogus, bro. Such a man. You about to have dreams in the night, bro. You gonna walk around and shoot yourself. That's what you gonna do. He's the one right there needs to go to jail. Because he's about to not stop. He's stopping his breathing. Stop pretty much, you stopped the whole man breathing. Yeah. You just killed him outside, bro.